And this is our psalm of the month uh, for this month, but I will just read it in its entirety. Psalm 37, listen, for this is God's word. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their swords shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous shall speak wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, 
and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Well, the news at the moment is filled with the war going on in Eastern Europe. Two and a half million Ukrainians have fled the country, one of the largest refugee crises. Thousands of people have been killed and many others have been injured. The Russian president, Vladimir Putin, is determined to take over all of Ukraine. Neighboring countries are nervous that he would then seek to invade them and so reinstate a Soviet empire of a kind. Putin is a ruthless man, and he is surrounded by these wealthy oligarchs. And maybe you're wondering, why do these wicked men grow so wealthy and successful? It doesn't seem right. But it's not just in Russia that the wicked prosper. We see it in our own nation, too. Many of our politicians are corrupt. They do terrible things, and yet they seem to get away with it. And we can come even closer to home. Consider your work colleagues, how many are willing to cut corners, your bosses who exploit to get bigger profit margins, students who are willing to cheat in exams or copy papers and so they get a better grade as a result. How do you live in a world where the wicked seem to get away with it? Well, Psalm 37 helps us respond to this very question. Psalm 37 is a psalm by David, and it's described as a wisdom psalm, for it sounds like it could be taken straight from the book of Proverbs. And so from this psalm, I want you to notice that as a righteous man or woman, you're to live in this wicked world, waiting on the Lord, keeping his way, and trusting that you will inherit the land, and this you do in Christ. So firstly, you're to understand who the wicked are. So David, throughout this psalm, he describes the wicked. Now, often the wicked in the Old Testament are those from outside of Israel. And last month, in our Psalm of the Month, Psalm 108, we sang about the Edomites and the Moabites and the Philistines and how they would face judgment. But there's no reference to these tribes in this psalm. Instead, in this psalm, the wicked appear to be from within the nation of Israel. And they hate the faithful of Israel. Let's note David's description of the wicked found throughout this psalm. Verse 1, we read of evil men doing wrong and being workers of iniquity. Verse 7, we read of men succeeding in their ways and carrying out their wicked schemes. Verse 12, we read of the wicked plotting against the righteous, gnashing their teeth at them. Verse 14, we read of the wicked drawing the sword and bending the bow to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. Verse 21, we read the wicked borrow and do not repay. 
Verse 32, we read of the wicked lying in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. In verse 35, we read of how the wicked are like a native green tree. And that's an interesting picture. A native tree is one that will thrive because it has everything that it needs. It's got the right climate. It's got the right soil. It's not susceptible to the local pests. And so the wicked are thriving in this fallen world like native trees. Now, you may have heard of the recent bill that passed in Florida banning classroom instruction about gender identity and sexual orientation for students in pre-K through to grade three. And Biden's press secretary responded by saying that this bill puts these kids in the position of not getting the support that they need at a time when that's exactly what they need. It's discriminatory. It's a form of bullying. It's horrific, was her words. Now, this is a very moderate bill. I think most of us would say it doesn't go far enough. And yet, in this fallen world, yet in this fallen world, it's seen as an evil bill. Do you ever feel that you don't belong here anymore? It's got so absurd that evil is seen as good and good as evil. Wickedness is like this native tree. It's strong. It's thriving. It even seems normal that it should belong here. Well, instead, our Christian views are the ones that sound so out of place now today, inappropriate even, an alien in our secular world. This is the wickedness of this world. Well, how do we live in this wicked world when the wicked are succeeding and prospering? Well, David gives us wisdom and how to respond. So secondly, you are to trust in the Lord and continue in his way, verses 1 to 8. So in contrast to the wicked men are the lives of the righteous that are mentioned in this psalm. As God's people, trusting in Christ's righteousness for salvation, you are the righteous. God sees you with Christ's righteousness. Well, how are you to live in this world? The danger is that we give up and decide if we can't beat them, we join them. If wickedness is how you succeed in this world, well, then that's what has to be done. That's the wrong attitude. And we can be so quick to compromise, in our, to compromise our Christian values because everyone else is doing it. No, David guards us against that attitude. He also guards us against a victim mentality, which is also very common in our society, to think that it's not fair and so become upset and angry. This is evident when David tells us not to fret, not to be troubled by the success of the wicked, or not to be envious either. Verse 1, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. Literally, it means don't get heated up by someone. Don't allow it to anger you. And it's repeated again in verse 7. And that's because when something makes you angry and upset, you need to be told more than once not to be angry not to be anxious before it will finally sink in and you calm down. Verses 3 to 7, David is distracting you from your anger, instead calling you to put your trust in the Lord. You need to accept that God is up to something. 
He is allowing these men to do their wickedness. It is in his plan that they cause this hurt and pain. As Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Well, that takes faith, to trust that God is at work when it looks like it is the contrary. And that's what we have to hold on to. Trust that God knows what he is doing. Consider Paul and Silas in prison. These were men who were preaching the gospel, wanting to see it spread. Well, why are they stuck in prison? It could have been easy for them to get angry when it looked like the way of evil men are succeeding. And yet God had them there for a reason. God used them to tell the gospel to the other prisoners and also to the jailer who accepts God along with his family. God is blessing us even when it doesn't seem that way. Well, David mentions the many blessings and promises that the righteous enjoy. We enjoy safe pastures. We are given the desires of our heart. He will make our righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. And so we need the eyes of faith to see these blessings in our lives. Spend time delighting in the goodness that you enjoy in Christ. As well as trusting in God and resting upon him, you are to do good. Meaning you are to get on with your lives and do what you are supposed to do. And maybe this sounds very passive in the face of injustice that we carry on regardless. Dale Ralph Davis says, David wants to keep you from acting as if you are God, as if your effort will right the wrong, that your rage will correct the injustice. Don't begin to think that your seething, boiling anger will somehow produce equity. No, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's to be your attitude. God has given you responsibilities, whether it's your family, your work, your church, various obligations, and you are to fulfill them. These other things that make you angry, they're out of your hands, but they are in God's hands, and you must trust him with that. Verse 8, we see the result of anger. It only causes harm, and so we need to be careful. When you're at work and you see people doing things that are wrong, Be careful that in your response, it's not one of anger. For it's often an anger that people do silly things that they can't take back, even possibly don't want to take back. Anger hardens people, making it impossible for them to see that they could be in the wrong. Now, there's a place for righteous anger, but rarely is our anger righteous, especially when it's regarding people that we know personally. Instead, in Luke's gospel, Jesus tells us to love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. How are you practically putting that into practice? It's a difficult command. Those people at work who make snide comments about your work so it makes you feel bad. The boss who manipulates you to take on more of his work so he does very little. It's easy to be angry. It's much harder to respond by doing good to these people. Instead, you are to trust in the Lord. You are to continue in his way. 
So take your eyes off these wicked people. Instead, focus on Christ. Trust him and serve him. Well, thirdly, notice you are to have an eternal perspective. Verses 9 to 22. Notice the word for at the beginning of verse 9. David gives us a reason why we're not to fret. The wicked are temporary. Whatever it is they are doing, it will not last, for they themselves will not last forever. In verse 2, he likens them to the grass that dies back every year in the heat of the Middle East. And he repeats this illustration again in verse 20. The wicked are described like the splendor of the meadows. Then it vanishes and it's burnt up. So every year, the fields are beautiful with their swaying wheat or barley. But when the wheat and barley are harvested, the fields are bare. The stubble is burnt up. Verse 16 and 17, we are to have the right perspective in regards to the wealth of the wicked. We can be guilty of looking on and seeing their vast supplies of money and feeling weak and helpless. But David is telling us it's better to have little than this vast wealth. So do not buy into the lie that money brings happiness. No, be content with what you have and have the right view of riches. We also notice another reality for the righteous is that we will never be in want. The righteous will not be in need during the famine. So that, this is not prosperity gospel. David is not promising the righteous that they will be wealthy, but he does say that the righteous, with the little that they have, they are better off than the great wealth of the wicked. And this is a challenge for us, living in a world that is materialistic. Our wants are certainly much greater than our needs. What a testimony to our world when they can see that we are content with what we have. Paul himself could testify to this fact. In his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So not only are the righteous content, but in verse 21, you are to show mercy and you are to give. Through our generosity, we make others rich. And so you're not to be selfish at your work, but you're to seek the blessing of the company or the hospital or the school where you work. You want to see it do well. We want to see our society prosper. Many wealthy Christian businessmen took this to heart during the Victorian era. Uh, there was not the same amount of welfare back then. And one example is the Cadbury's firm, whose founders were Quakers. And their employees enjoyed good working condition and relatively higher wages than others. And they even built a model village called Bourneville for their employees to live in, which had more spacious accommodation. It would include parks, it would include sporting facilities to encourage the physical well-being of their employees. Now, interestingly, no pubs were allowed to be included in this village. But it's hard to live with an eternal perspective. Our focus so often is on the here and now. In the here and now, we see these people doing really well, despite the fact that they hurt people in the process. 
But with an eternal mindset, these people are forgotten. They are no more. And their success is short-lived. I wonder if you've ever won a competition. I remember at primary school winning the local grocery store coloring in competition. And I still have the certificate to prove it. But this was a short-term success. It was not the beginning of a career in art, and as superficial as that competition was. It's the same with those who succeed in this world. In the end, it is short-lived. So we're not to fret over something that is temporary. The psalm tells us why the wicked's lives are short-lived. God will cut them off. We read in verse 13 that the Lord laughs at them. Their opposition to God is a joke, for he will judge them. We read their day is coming. And so we must be patient and know that they will face judgment. Verse 15, we see that it's self-inflicted. The sword shall enter their own hearts. Their arms will be broken. So while the wicked prosper at the expense of the righteous, the wicked will be cut off. They will pass away and be no more. Don't fret. Don't get angry. God will respond in justice. And so you need to have the long perspective when in the midst of your present difficulties. Well, fourthly, notice, as one of God's people, you are never forsaken. Verses 23 to 33. The righteous are persecuted by the wicked, but they are never forsaken. Meaning no matter how hard it gets, God will never let you go. Verse 23, we read that the righteous steps are ordered by the Lord. God is directing your days, and so you are to delight in God's way. That doesn't mean you are immune from falling. No life presents challenges. However, we read of the promise that God will never cast you down. He is upholding you with his hand. Do you remember teaching your child to walk? You can't teach them to walk by carrying them everywhere. No, you let them walk on their own two feet. You hold on to their hand. So even if they stumble, they don't fall on their face and get hurt. You may be going through hard times, but are you aware of the hand of God that holds you? He won't let you go. Verses 25 to 26, we read of this beautiful testimony from David of God's provision. He never saw the righteous forsaken. Yes, they've been afflicted, but God does not forsake them. They are never begging bread. This is his experience. This was the experience of the Israelites in the desert, in the wilderness. They went through much hardship, and yet God always provided bread for them in the desert. So do you recognize God's provision in your life? Dill Ralph Davis writes, I think contemporary servants of Christ can sometimes be rather blind to such crass physical provisions. In the middle of heavy trouble, do I still have daily bread? I may be in the pit of despair, but am I in that despair at my kitchen table staring down at a bowl of cereal? I may be going through deep anguish of spirit, but do I still enjoy reasonably good physical health? I may be at a loss in some dire turmoil, but do I still have a non-leaking roof over my head and a mattress underneath my restless body? 
Shouldn't I notice these gifts? Sometimes the weight of your trouble can cause you to lose sight of the basic provisions that are staring you in the face. As well as providing for our physical needs, we enjoy an assurance from God. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land. This promise is repeated in verse 11 where we read that the meek shall inherit the earth. There is a promise of peace, of rest in the land. Now this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus quotes this psalm in Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He promises the whole earth for his people. The psalm never promises success for those who trust in the Lord, but it does promise that those who trust in the Lord will share in the new heavens and in the new earth when Christ returns in glory. Three times it repeats the word forever. Verse 27, God's people will dwell forevermore. Verse 28, they are preserved forevermore. Verse 29, they will dwell forever. This speaks of life beyond the grave. You're not forsaken, even when it feels like it. No, you have an eternity to look forward to with Christ. Well, finally, notice, wait on the Lord and keep his way. Verse 34 to 40. This psalm was written in such a way that it was easily remembered in the original Hebrew. It's an acrostic poem where each uh, section would have begun with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so what will you remember from this psalm? Well, thankfully, in this long psalm, verse 34 is an easy summary for what you should take away. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt you to inherit the land. So as you go to your workplace tomorrow and you face a variety of temptations, will you seek to have a quiet spirit? Not getting heated up about every injustice that you face. Instead, trusting in God in whatever the situation that comes your way. Will you remember the reality that you are in? that you will never be forsaken, that you will never be in want, for God provides. And finally, remember the future that you look forward to, an eternity in heaven. So as we watch the news, or as we get emails into our inbox, as we hear from loved ones, we are aware there is much wickedness in this world. It is easy to become discontent, to fret, to grow angry, And yet consider our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was perfect, who never sinned. Consider how sensitive he must have been to the wickedness of this world. And yet he never grew anxious. In the rare instances that we read of Christ's anger, it was righteous anger. And yet this anger was not commonplace. No, Jesus Christ learned Psalm 37. He took it to heart. And so in him, you too can fulfill this psalm. Ask for God's grace that the wisdom of Psalm 37 would be evident in your life. As a righteous man or woman, you are to live in this wicked world, waiting on the Lord, keeping his way, and trusting that you will inherit the land. Katerina von Schegel wrote a hymn describing this wrestling, quieting her soul. Throughout the hymn, she repeatedly reminds herself to be still. Be still, my soul. 
The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. Every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul. Thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. And so she constantly reminds herself to be still. Well, we need to be still as we wait on the Lord and keep his way, remembering that he will exalt you to inherit the land. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we live in a wicked world. As we watch the news, as we hear of different events, Lord, it's so easy to to fret, to be angry, uh, to despair. And so, Lord, help us to respond that we would be still, that we wouldn't react instantly, but instead that we would wait upon you, knowing that you are at work, you are accomplishing your plans and your purposes. Help us, Lord, to follow your way, that we would continue what you've called us to do. Lord, we pray that we would not grow distracted. Instead, that we would stay focused on Christ. We pray, Lord, that we would remember the many provisions that we have from your hand. Lord, that we would not look to the wealthy and the rich and be envious. Instead, Lord, we would see maybe the little that we have, but yet be thankful for it comes from you. And Lord, we look forward to an eternity of blessing. We thank you, Lord, that in Christ we shall inherit the land. And so, Lord, help us to have that eternal focus. Help us to realize that the wickedness of this world, uh, they will be removed, for you will act in justice and cut them off. And so we pray as we go into another week, uh, Lord, that you will give us this perspective, that we would remember this psalm each day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us close singing this psalm, and we're going to sing the D selection, Psalm 37D. On stanza 13, we read off the summary of this psalm. Wait upon the Lord expectant. Walk the way of his command. As earth air, he will exalt you. You will see the wicked bound. So as we live in the world where there is much wickedness, remember that you, the righteous, are secure. Let's stand and sing Psalm 37D.